Well, good afternoon, folks. Here we are again. This will be video number 10 in our series in the book of Revelation as we look through some of the things in the book of Revelation. Not too deep, but just kind of skimming over it. Well, not really even skimming, but um, just giving you an idea of what's going on, some things that you can follow. It's very important for you to get your pens and pencils or paper, whatever, and copy down and some of the things that we mentioned here, and especially references to other Bible verses, so you can look them up afterwards and compare them. It's important for us to compare Scripture with Scripture. And then we're up to chapter 4. Last time uh, we looked at verse 1 of chapter 4, where we see uh, um, John uh, saw a door opened in heaven, and he heard a voice calling unto him, and the Lord was calling unto him to come up here, come up hither. And uh, we looked at that, and many say, well, that's the, uh, um, that's the rapture of the church. Now, I, I really wish it was, but uh, uh, Scripture doesn't, uh, doesn't line up with that. that. That doesn't line up with Scripture. And we looked at some other things that uh, we are to consider in and through here, just uh, let the scriptures speak for themselves. And we'll get into that a little more detail later on when we get up to uh, beginning of chapter 6. But chapter 4 here from verse 2 to 11, we try and cover this today. We see the throne room of God being uh, described here. The scene has shifted from the church on the earth and the um, the scene is now in the throne room of God and some things that are going to take place, very important things, chapter 4 and 5 together as a unit. These things set up what's going to take place in chapter 6, which begins the tribulation, begins the opening of the seven seals. So this, these are very, they're all important chapters, but these ones, 4 and 5, I call it an introduction into 6, but this is an introduction. These are standalone by themselves anyway. Some really uh, interesting things here. And some of the things we have to say, well, I don't know what that means or I don't know what that is. But we'll just have a look through here and make applications for ourselves as we go along. We see the, see the throne room of uh, God being uh, described to us here. And his throne and uh, the creatures around the throne, other beings, and God himself on the throne. For us to understand the awesomeness of God. And to know that God wants the world to know that He reigns in the affairs of mankind. That he rules over the earth. And something for you to look up sometimes in Daniel chapter 4, uh, 4 17, uh, verse 25, verse 26, verse 32, and Daniel chapter 5, verse 21. They all have a. a there's a thing mentioned there that the living may know that God rules in the kingdom of men. There's a, a, along that line, that people know that God rules. And when we come to this chapter here and we look at this, we can't help but see the majesty of God and the holiness of God. And we'll see this as we go along. So in verse 1 we, we read, where the Lord said to John, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. So John's going to be showed what's going to take place. But we get to verse 2, and it says, And immediately I was in the Spirit. Now I see where some get the idea that, well, this is the rapture of the church, but it isn't mentioned here. This is The interpretation of this is John was called up, and he was going to record the revelation. 
If the Lord wanted us to understand it was something else or apply an application to the church, maybe, but an application is not the interpretation of the passage because it doesn't fit with uh, the rest of it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 talks about Christ coming in the clouds and him, the gathering of the believers unto him. And that two things would have to happen first before Jesus does that, the great apostasy and the man of sin revealed. The man of sin is revealed in Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. You see the rider on the white horse. That's him. He's revealed right there. We'll get to that uh, soon. We've got to do chapter 4 first. And uh, he says, come up. And he says, immediately I was in the Spirit. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if every time the Lord spoke to us and wanted us to... Uh, to do His will and such, that we would find ourselves in the Spirit. Sometimes we find ourselves in anything but the Spirit of God, being filled up with the Spirit of God. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, I think it is. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's not the verse I wanted. Um, and be filled with the Spirit. Uh, be not drunk with wine where is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's a command to be filled. Allow yourself to be filled with the Spirit of God. Don't let anything come in to grieve or to quench Him. And John says he was immediately in the Spirit. And we're going to see what John saw. We're going to look at those things. It's an amazing, amazing portion of Scripture. Immediately I was in the Spirit. And he says he saw a throne was set. Okay, the first thing he sees, and the first thing that he, remember the Spirit of God would guide him to write down these things, but John would see these things and write them down, and he would receive that guidance. And the first thing they want to focus, that we're focused on is a throne. Uh, there's a throne right there set in the midst. And there's one sitting on the throne, and one sat on the throne. Well, who would that be? Well, that's the Father. That's God Almighty sitting there, okay? There's an amazing thing. We could stop right there. That's enough information for us right now. It's enough for us to think about, to digest, to take in, and to think and to, to mull over and such. God Himself, He is on the throne. He's the rule, ruler of everything. He made everything. He made the universe. And He's controlling this old planet. Uh, evil men with their evil desires and evil uh, ob objects, uh, objects and such, they will uh, do whatever they will do. But God is going to rule over and does rule over top of everything. He's on the throne. He's on the throne of your life and my life too and watching over us. And that's the way it should be. Uh, trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let God have the rule in your life. Uh, but it, John says, I saw one sitting there. And then we get the description of this one sitting there, of the Lord, of God himself, the Father. And he that sat, verse 3 and he that sat was to look upon like, see that word like? He that uh, was, he didn't say he was this. And you see that through the Bible oftentimes, the Lord will say uh, something was, the voice was like unto thunder. It wasn't thunder, it was like that, reminded him. The Lord uses everyday things for us to, uh, to think about or to uh, compare with when Jesus says he's the door. We understand that, that's an access into, some, into another room. Okay, um, we see this one sitting and to look upon him, and he says, and he says a, a, a couple things: jasper and sardine stone. Well, jasper, you look it up. Um, the definition of jasper or the color of uh, is uh, um, the words are translucent as a fire. Now, translucent means to be shining or glowing through. You know, like a fire it moves and it 
change his color a bit. Translucent as fire, and a sardine stone is kind of a transparent red. So we see these, and we'd have to use our imaginations with that because uh, we don't have a lot more information. You go back to Ezekiel um, chapter 1, I believe it is, and you'll get some, uh, uh, some more information about uh, what the Lord looks like on the throne. And then he says there's a, a rainbow round about the throne. Okay, so you can picture that in your mind. He's walking us through this picture in heaven, this vision before. He's walking us through the throne room of God. He says, there's the throne. And there he is, the king. He's sitting on the throne, God himself. And he looks like this translucent fire and such, and just the colors and such. And then the rainbow round about. A rainbow, what do you think of? And then they use it today for some other things which shouldn't be. But when you see a rainbow, you think of the colors of the rainbow. A, a rainbow round about the throne of God. Does that have to do with, uh, go back to Genesis uh, chapter 6 and Noah's flood. And after the flood, the Lord put a, a rainbow and, and uh, his, put his bow in the heavens, he said. And when he sees it, he'll be reminded that he'll never, ever flood the earth like that to destroy all mankind like that again. It would be a different way. But uh, we see that rainbow. And the throne itself had an emerald, was like an emerald. Well, emerald is the color green. So we see all kinds of colors. And uh, people say there'll be colors there that we've never experienced. Or colors that, wouldn't it be something, the colors would maybe make music or They'll be uh, singing, I don't know, just use your imagination. We don't, we don't know much more than what we have right here, okay? But we see that he is on the throne and it's, there's a lot of color. He's getting down to a point here, we'll get to that point at the end. Uh, verse 4, around about the throne there were 24 seats. 24 seats. Now the, the word right there is the Holy Spirit gave it, the word seats is thrown again. And these are a lesser throne around the throne room of God. There's God there. And the, the fiery look and the, and the, and the, the uh, rainbow roundabout, and there's 24 uh, seats or thrones roundabout, and there's 24 elders sitting. Now, there's been a lot of um, talk on who are the elders. You can go back into the Old Testament and the First Chronicles, well, I forget the verse. Anyways, it talks about the, the uh, um, 24 uh, priests and such were the different the courses of the tabernacle and things like that. Um, it could be Old Testament elders. Could it be the 12 apostles and there's 12 others? Some have said this is some kind of angelic being. Probably not because they have crowns of gold and white raiment and such. But nonetheless, they're there. They have crowns of gold. Now this crown is a different crown other than uh, uh, a crown that a king would wear. Jesus would have a crown, a diadem that a king would wear. These ones are of the Stephanos, the, like, the, like the laurel wreath, a crown that you get from winning a contest, a victor in a contest has uh, um, uh, won this particular crown. So you get that, use your imagination and you picture this taking place. And out of the throne itself, it says out of the throne in verse 5, um, there, were, there were sounds. Um, out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings. 
You just stop and think about that for a minute. What an awesome thing. When we hear lightning or see lightning and hear thunder in the sky and such, it's, it is kind of a, an awesome thing and we look for it and we're fascinated by it. And yet there's a part of us that we're absolutely fearful of it because it's, this is big time stuff. It's dangerous stuff. And this is of the throne of God, thunders and lightnings and such. Amazing, amazing picture being given to us here. Lightnings and thunderings and voices. And he says it has the seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. Where did we see that before? Chapter 1, verse 20. Chapter 1, verse 4. Chapter 3, verse 1. The seven spirits of God. Put it all together. Get those verses. Look at and Put it all together with this one. Uh, right here in uh, verse 5. The seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Does this have to do with the, the uh, seven lamps burning at the end of chapter 1, which are the seven churches? Has it got something to do with his witness upon the earth, the churches, the believers, the assemblies of believers who are filled with the Spirit of God? We see the, um, the seven lights, and candlesticks are for light. The church is to be a light to the world. The believers are to be light to all those around about them. Okay? The Spirit of God, uh, uh, it, it gives light, it lightens, motivates, and empowers the churches of God in this world and before His throne. I like to think that that has something to do with that. But uh, we can't be 100% sure there. So as we go on in time, sometimes we have to say, we come to a a verse or something like that, I say, I'm not sure about that. The Lord will give us some more information down the road or something. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Verse 6, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. A sea of glass before the throne. Now he's talked about the throne and around the throne, the, the rainbow and the, 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 the Father sitting on the throne and the thunders and lightnings and the floor of it, as it were, was like a um, was like a, a, a sea of glass, like unto crystal. Now it's interesting. You go back to Ezekiel chapter one, verse twenty-two, and you do that uh, um, in your own time and check it out. And it talks about that the um, uh, Ezekiel's vision of God and the uh, awesome crystal, the Bible. In a, it calls it the terrible crystal, which means awesome. And the Hebrew word there uh, for, is used, it means like ice. If you see like a, um, I think of it like a frozen lake. Have you ever seen a frozen lake uh, um, where there's no snow on? Remember when I was a kid, we'd go ice skating up at a mill pond. And you could see down through the ice, it was clear as clear, but the ice was like this thick. And you can see it had all facets to it and everything. Just an amazing thing. This is probably a hundred times that. He's just giving us a description of the throne room of God. And one of the reasons for this is he's showing us the throne room of God. He's going to describe the Lord God himself and all what he does and what he is. Because there's some terrible, terrible things coming down the road. He wants people to understand who he is. He's on the throne. He's the controller, he's the giver of life, and so on and so forth, and he holds the keys to uh, uh, death and hell and all these things. 
you're having trouble today, you're having difficulties, and we always have difficulties, we've always got some kind of problem, don't we? That's just life. Job says as the sparks fly upwards, that's what we're, what we're like in our lives. Difficulties. But God is on the throne. Take your, take your problems to Him, for He cares for you. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Take all of your things, good times and bad times, to Him. And then he goes on to say, after he describes that crystal, I like to think of it as the flooring, and then he starts to talk about some of the beings that are there with God around the throne. In verse 6, And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne, and round about the throne, right in the middle, and guard, and I was going to say the word guarding, but I don't know if God needs guarding. We call the cherubims the guardians of God's holiness. There's cherubims, there's seraphims, there's angels, there's these other ones, and some uh, Bible calls them the beasts or creatures, and we don't have a name for them. And he's going to describe these four creatures that are right there, these four beasts right around the throne. And uh, we'll have a look at this. Let me stop and think about something. It just comes to my mind, um, you hear people say, they wonder if there's life out on other planets. Well, well, there isn't. The Bible says so. And you, if you believe the Bible, you can understand that there is not. Because it describes in chapter 2 of Genesis, I think it's verse 1 there, where it says that uh, thus were all the heavens and the earth made, or something like that. There's no talk. There's no other life out there. Uh, there isn't. On planets. But we are not alone in this universe. There's another realm. We live in this natural, physical realm. There's a whole other realm that touches ours, the supernatural realm, where God and the angels and all these things take place. We're not alone. There are creatures that we can't imagine, beings that we can't even imagine what they look like. We get a description here of them, but it's still hard to uh, get it fully in our mind. But there's four of them, and it says they have, and they're full of eyes, front and back, before and aft. They have eyes, these creatures have eyes, always looking, always seeing and such. In this supernatural realm, God lives and is. And he goes on uh, to say in verse 7 about these beasts, and the first beast was like a lion. Okay, there's four of them, one of them's like a lion. Like a lion. It's not a lion, it's just like that. It gives the appearance of perhaps there's kind of a mane's appearance. Perhaps there's that, that fierce look about him. And some have said, well, these four um, descriptions here, we can liken them to the four Gospels and such. We can do that, but there, it breaks, that breaks down a bit because this is describing these beasts and the Gospels are about Jesus Christ. But we understand why people do that. But, um, the first one was like a lion. The second was like unto a calf. The third had the face of a man. Can you picture all this in your mind? And these beasts, these creatures. And the fourth like an eagle flying. You never look at an eagle the same again, eh? Just think about these things in heaven. And we get to verse 8. And the four beasts each had of them six wings about him. Each one of them had six wings. And they were full of eyes within. The wings even had eyes. Six wings. Eyes full. And the front and back, eyes everywhere to see. 
amazing, amazing, amazing stuff here, folks. And we just go over it and we just pretty well leave it like that. I, I don't understand it. He's just giving us this bit of information. But these aren't the focus of heaven. These aren't the focus of the passage. When I look at now, he talks about um, what, they, what they do and what they say. In verse 8, the, and, uh, the wings of the eyes uh, were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night. Well, there is no day and night there, but for us, meaning that there's just no time when they rest. They continually, continually, what do they do? Saying, holy, holy, holy. We have one of our hymns that we sing in church, and you probably do and know it. Holy, holy, holy. An amazing hymn. But to think that you have these beings that were created and they're just around God and around Him and that's all they say is holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. He always was and He always will be. The holiness of God is emphasized here. The holiness of God, the, uh, the, uh, the majesty of God, the glory of God is emphasized here because we're going to get into some pretty deep water as far as uh, sufferings and difficulties on the earth. And later on, when God begins to pour out His wrath upon an unbelieving world, He's had enough. But yet He still gives room for repentance. An awesome, awesome God that He is. Our God is an awesome God. They, they rest not saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. They're always, always, always seeing, watching, continually saying these things. The holiness of God being emphasized here. It's a lesson for those upon the earth. It's a lesson for people upon the earth. He is holy. And the earth is anything but, and the inhabitants of the earth are anything but, and have gone away from God and don't want to consider Him, even go so far as to set up things like atheism or, or uh, evolution, whereby they say everything came to being by nothing. You know, that's foolish because uh, um, science is supposed to be observable, and it never has been that something has come from nothing, but we won't get into that right now but turning away and the unholiness we see around about us on a daily basis, it increasing and increasing and increasing, directly opposite to what God is. And God is so holy, we can't even imagine it. We can't understand it. But He wants us to consider it right here. He wants the inhabitants of the earth to consider and think of the holiness of God. When Jesus walked upon the earth and dealt with some uh, the sinners and Individuals would come and just fall down before him because he is holy. Far removed from what human beings are. So a lesson for those on the earth. He is holy. You would do well and people would do well to consider that and stop and think of that for a little bit. Okay, here we are. We're in verse 8 and just thinking of the holiness of God. And the creatures around the throne of God saying, Holy, 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 just continuously. In verse 9, and, and when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who lives forever and ever, and when they 
when they do this. So there's a continual thing going on. There's a continual thing going on uh, before the Lord. It says, when those beasts gave glory and honor and thanks, we are to be thankful. We are to be thankful for everything, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It will change our lives. It will revolutionize our lives if we find we just are in that place of being thankful. We don't understand everything that comes our way, but thank you, Lord, that you are in control. We know the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 28, and around about there, uh, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To be thankful, to give Him the glory and the honor, God first, in our lives. Folks, God first. Down to verse 10. And when they, the beasts gave glory and honor and thanks to Him that sat on the throne who lived forever and ever, verse 10, the four and twenty elders fall down before Him that sat on the throne and worship Him to worship, just to give thanks, to acknowledge our dependence, to look at our God as our Savior, our Lord, everything, everything for us. They worship Him that lives forever and ever, and they cast their thrones, their, cast their crowns before the throne, saying, they cast their crowns down before Him. Now we talked earlier about, and some other time I suppose we can look at it a little more in depth, about the... Um, Crowns for the believer. There's five different crowns that can be. There's crowns for service and so on and so forth. What do we want crowns for? The Lord's going to reward us, but yet we're going to cast our crowns at the feet of Jesus, who de who deserves all of our all of the honor and glory and worship that we could give. Worship Him. Worship the Lord. Worship the Lamb. So they, uh, the four and twenty elders, would fall down. Uh, they would fall down before the throne. Now, back up a bit. So you have the four creatures there saying, Holy, 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 uh, Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when they give that glory and honor, honor to the Lord, the four and twenty, uh, John sees these four and twenty elders fall down on their knees, fall down on the ground before the throne, casting their crowns, down before him and they say this thou art worthy O Lord is not the Lord worthy yep you want to bet he's worthy saved us from our sins those that are Christians those that are born again believers those that have trusted in Jesus Christ put their faith in Jesus Christ you know the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Bible it tells us that Jesus being the son of God that means God the son God took on the form of a, a human being, yet without sin, for the purpose of going to the cross of Calvary to be nailed up there as a, a sacrificial lamb, as a, a substitution for each one of us. He took my place, he took your place, everybody's place, and paid for the sins of the whole world with his life. He died and was buried and he rose from the dead on the third day God says, he says now, salvation is complete. It's a free gift. It's all wrapped up with a neat bow on it, so to speak. And he hands it to you and says, will you believe in Jesus Christ? That's all he asks. Believe with your whole heart. 
with every fiber of your being, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He saved me or He gave His life for me, that Jesus did this for me, however you want to put that thing. He says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Here they say, Thou art worthy, O Lord. He's worthy of our attention. He's worthy of everything that we have and everything that we are. He's worthy to receive glory, honor, and power. For thou hast created all things. I believe the Bible with all my heart. I remember one time not long after I was saved, I said, Lord, I don't understand all the, a lot of the stuff in your Bible, but I believe it because I believe it's the Word of God. And I believe Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. God doesn't explain himself. He just makes a statement. It takes faith to accept that. To accept God is the creator. We didn't come from monkeys or any other things. We didn't act like it. We didn't come from anything like that. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, everything brings forth after its own kind. Fish come from fish and dogs from dog and more people from people. That's what it is, okay? And you're not going to find it any different, never has been, never will be. It doesn't happen. There are changes and adaptations within species, but you'll never have one species cross into another species become something else. It doesn't happen, never has. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things. Get this bit. For thy pleasure... They are and were created. There's what's wrong with this old world right now is people don't have any idea of God. And they don't understand that there's something, someone above them who made them, made all things. And everything, the earth, even the dirt belongs to him. And the people too. People can't grasp that and they don't want that and they will kick against that. We're made for the pleasure of God. So are those beasts and beings around the throne. The angels and the cherubims and the seraphims are made for the pleasure of God. Isn't that something? Put things in their place, eh? Mankind is the crown of God's creation. And mankind has gone its own way. And served other gods which are no gods at all. Even made ourselves into gods. God is that not, not to be. This is the, one of the reasons that the book of Revelation shows us the end times and how God is going to pour out his wrath and correct this earth and he's going to take charge of it and remove from it all that unbelief and all sin and all that stuff. We'll get to that shortly. Chapter 4 is a reminder, of, uh, a reminder for all people, a reminder for all people of who is in control. It's not our, our, our governments. It's not the nations. God. Yeah, there's terrible things happen. The Lord allows terrible things happen. Under his watchful eye, things are happening. Nobody gets away with anything, though. Nobody's getting away with anything. Every person will stand before him and give account. And every knee will bow and bend to Jesus Christ the Lord. You might be here listening today and you say, I don't believe that. But I want you to remember it. And you will remember it because someday you'll be bowing down before him. I hope you bow down as his, 
as him being your savior, because you don't want to meet him as your judge, you die in your sins, you're really up the creek for all eternity. You're going to be in the wrong place. But chapter 4 is a reminder for all of who is in control, who owns all things, of who is holy beyond comprehension, of who the Creator is, who will judge this sinful world, and very soon by the look of things. Chapters 4 and 5 show God's right to do so. Show God's right to do as He pleases and as He must because His holiness demands justice. Chapters 4 and 5 shows God's right and for us to keep, in, and keep this in mind as we further study this in the book of Revelation, because there will be some hard things. Remember, God doesn't make mistakes. He's holy. And we're confronted with God and His holiness, and we clearly see who we are and what we are. From that, we can further appreciate the gospel, the cross, what Jesus suffered on the cross, the person of Christ, the resurrection, and salvation offered to every person upon earth. We, we are, uh, uh, we further appreciate John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Salvation for sinners through faith in Jesus Christ the Lord. Chapter 4, just beginning that. Now chapter 5 will take up next time. It introduces us to the Lord Jesus Christ there before the Father. And one of the important things that's going to take place could be very soon. Read through chapter 4 and chapter 5. Read through them over and over. Familiarize yourself with them. And we'll touch on that next time. Thank you very much for allowing me to, uh, to come before you in this video. I hope that you will study these things and look up the verses and such. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Pray much. We've got some terrible, terrible days upon us. When we get to chapter 6 and see what's taking place there, we can see some of the similarities in our world today. These things are ramping up. I call the walk up to the end. We're seeing them unfolding right before our very eyes, some biblical things coming to pass. We don't know how long it will be. As I said uh, last time, uh, talking to a fellow just recently, he was talking about all the problems here and he's all worried about this and that. He said, the only thing you need to concern yourself with is your Bible and your prayer life. Get yourself strengthened and strong in, in your faith before God. Trust in Christ. Walk with Him. Live for Him. You get praying. You get reading your Bible. Don't let anybody or anything keep you from it. You get yourself strong in the Lord. And you'll be just fine. Anyways, we have to stop. Time's gone. Thank you very much, folks. Lord bless you. See you next time, Lord willing. Thank you.